Read Me Romance? Help support our podcast and enter to win an end of summer video chat with your favorite lady DJs. It's the summer reading program. From now until September 1st, you can enter to win by sharing what you've read this summer and tag us. That's it. All you have to do is tag Read Me Romance on social media and we'll add your name into the drawing. Three lucky winners will get to video chat with the host of Read Me Romance to talk about books and answer all of your burning romance questions. We really appreciate your support, and I'll see you guys in just a second for Tessa Bailey's audiobook this week. Hey, lady listeners. What's up, lady DJs? Welcome to the broadcast. We're here. We're doing it. Let's go. Let's go. It's part two of Tessa uh, week. Let's go. It's part two of Tessa Bailey week. Um, Yep. Seven year itches. The rest of the seven year itches coming up in a little while. Wait, I wanted to, but I want to find out on on Monday we talked about Midnight Sun, but then mm-hmm. we found out Mel had already had listened to some audiobooks last week as well. Oh so yeah, what did, you, what did you listen to? Let's Mel? all talk about our books. Let's go. Yeah. I'll start if you don't. If you want to look yours up, Mel, or you got it? Do okay. you have it? Okay. Right. Um, I talked about the um the Millivane book that was in um the Night Shift anthology. So that's the one with Nalina Singh and um, I can't remember the other author on it. I think it's Lauren Dane, the three of them that were together in the anthology. Like I said, it's um, called Night Shift. There's three books. Her novella is like, it, it was like 184 pages that I laughed at that that was a fucking novella. But <laughs> so, but it was in that and it's, it was really good. I listened to that when um, I was at the beach and I meant to talk about it and I forgot. And then I also read Queen Move by Kennedy Ryan. Um, that one, I know I sent it to you guys and I said, I, I finished it and it was a very grown up read. Like I felt like it was, like, as I was reading, I was like, oh, this is an adult book. Like it wasn't your normal, like, trashy fluffy romance that is you know light and easy like i'm sitting on the beach and i'm like oh fuck this is heavy like there was a lot of stuff that happened in it that you know so the book starts out and in the very beginning it's about um a young it's about a a guy and a girl they're both they meet as babies their moms are friends and so that's how they bond is that their moms are best friends so they grew up together they were born on the same day like so anyways, they grow up together and then they get in high or in middle school and they're separated. And so they both go about and have their own lives. And she has a really big career and he does as well. And so and it's about the two of them when they come back together. He is with a woman that is um, that's not his wife. They decided to never get married. And in the beginning of the book, when he's an adult and they're together, they have a son together and they live together and they've been together this whole time. But it, the wife doesn't the woman doesn't believe in being married. So they're not. And so it starts off, though is that he's fallen out of love with her he's like i love you as a friend i'll always care about you we have a son together but he's like we're over like we've tried therapy we've tried uh, you know all the other avenues and she's like well what about an open marriage and so that's what she suggests in the beginning so it starts off with like topics that are like oh wow this is real shit (laughs) like so like you're kind of thrown into that beginning and this story is if you've read a Kennedy Ryan book, you know, like, it's going to be so beautifully written. You know, there's a lot of twists and turns, but there's so much heart in her books. And Ocean, I will say, yeah. like, yeah, like, I felt it. Like, I, and then the first few pages, like, there was one part I was reading and I was crying because it was like, like, I was on the beach crying when I was reading this because it was so, it was such an emotional 
chapter and I was just like, oh, wow, like this, it wasn't what I expected. I went into it with, with completely like no idea what I was about to read. And I was sort of, you know, like trampled on <laughs> like as I was reading it. But, you know, I think, um, if you guys have seen it around, that cover is so gorgeous. So, um, if you see it, that sounds like something that, um, you want to get down with, go for it. Um, like I said, I finished that too when I was at the beach. So I just wanted to, I forgot to mention those last week when we recorded. So I want to throw those out there first. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Mel, what about you? I often like to get shorter audiobooks because I'll get, and I won't be able to stop <laughs> and I'll end up pausing and reading because reading's faster. So, but I did, after we had Re Rose last week, I downloaded her shortest one, which was Mafia Daddy. Oh. And that's where she ran from one. her dad or whatever. She's ran from her dad. She's supposed to marry some other guy. And he sends like his top man out to get her. Who sh- they've liked each other the whole time. And he goes out there and spanks her ass. <laughs> This is Renee Rose, right? That's who we had on the podcast. Okay, last week. Uh huh. I heard somebody talking about that book in headquarters. Okay, good. So that one was really good. And and then after that, I got two Jenica Snow books. Nice. Snow, so good. It's so good. It's really dirty. It's really light. It's really fun. It was just easy to listen to, and it's like got tabooness to it. So she's, I love her. He's in love with his stepbrothers daughter Ooh, that is taboo i like that so mm. it was Tess fun is like you then, had my attention <laughs> it's it's cute it's really sweet and it's really dirty the sex is great and then i did oh wicked bedmate they did a bunch of the hero clubs and they all have audiobooks i've only done jenica snows but that one was just boss and co-worker falling in love again sweet he was in pursuit the whole time which is my favorite. Yeah, that's your catnip. Yeah. And then now I'm doing um, J.S. Scott. She has a series. I don't know what it's called. I don't know. It's got Player Damaged and Release. I only meant to do the first book, Release. Oops. But I got interested, <laughs> I got interested in the brothers because it's all three brothers. So now I'm in the middle of the second one. Did you finish the um, series with Kay Webster, The Hood River Rat? I just saw the last one came out. Yeah. I didn't know if or, you... Or no, I haven't finished it yet. I have to have time for those because that's a read that's mm-hmm. thick and it's going to take me all day and they're not in audio so I have to have a day where they're not in audio are they okay no yeah. and I still already have a book on hold that I'm waiting for a day the book uh that you told me to read something about a tattoo oh the duke with the dragon tattoo oh yes Mel's gonna love that's that. That's my one. next like day You're off. You're gonna bus. love that one. That's, I, so yeah. I know. I feel like yeah. I am, and that's why I'm like, I can't. I need this to be like Sunday. You're just reading yeah, this book. Yeah, you need a whole day. Yeah, I know that. Someone. Uh, so there's a there's a group on Facebook that talks about historical romance. And somebody posted in this group that I guess she was their bait. She's Kerrigan's one of Kerrigan Burns beta reader readers. And she's reading like the first in a new, a new romance series that Kerrigan, I know I'm going to look it up right now and see if I can find the name. Um, I need to know details. But she said it's like, it's like feels like highwayman feels like Farah and Dorian. <sighs> so you better fucking she's, quit it right now. You I'm better get the right fuck now. out. Can you imagine? But yeah, I know I hear you, Mel. Like when you've got a longer book like that, like you want to be able to chop out a chunk of time and say, "This is what I'm doing today." And 
Yeah, because yes, the night before, I ended up staying up too late, finishing the jam. <laughs> but I love when that happens, though, when you get roped into one. So, oh, and while we're saying, like, we were talking about the Immortals After Dark. So I read the, the first two books in that, and then I took a break because I felt like there's a lot of information in those books about, like, what's to come you know it's like you can tell like when you're reading those that they're building to a huge series and so I kind of got overwhelmed after the second book and I was like I need something sort of fluffy again and so um so I took a break from that but Eagle was telling me for the Cresley Cole to read the high the Highlander series and I, I haven't read that yet so I was like okay well I'll definitely after I finish Midnight Sun I'll get back into that and then I'll go back to the Immortals After Dark because I really love those books like he's crazy obsessed and I loved how desperate he was to fuck her it was so good but it felt like when I was reading it it was like a ton of characters to keep up with and I was like okay and then I did the Millivane one and she's the same way when she writes she just builds these incredible worlds but I feel like I have to pay attention it's not just a light read that I'm like oh I get swept up in it you know I have to actually like actively pay attention to it I that reminds me I write um it's called the Faded Royals I think Danny Watt yeah. wrote them. They're historical, but they're shorter and they're really good. They're really dirty and yeah. stuff. And the guys are possessive. Was and, it Danny, Danny but they're Wyatt. fun. I think they're only like 120 oh, pages. Wow, that's nice. Watch. Yeah, okay. I can't find the post, but I'll have to. It's a why would you ever bring Why would you even bring I'm that sorry. up if you couldn't bring that I, to I, the table? Get out of here, Tess. Like, she comes up in that group constantly and there's just too many posts to weed through, like, especially live. But. Get out um, of here. It's supposed to, yeah. So, anyways, I just, I want more and more of her. Just keep her. Clearly, yeah. I read uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, how was that? That's, you know what? It's one of those things where it's like you see it at number one for like four years and you finally get around to it. How was it? Oh, my God. Was it good? Was it, yeah. what, did, what did it deserve number one for four years? Yeah. Wow. This is so cool. You know, it's this woman, Delia Owens, who wrote it is like she I think I, I don't want to guess her age and get it wrong, but she looks like she's probably in her mid six mid sixties. What if she's like 40 and you and just she like did, she slapped just her in the face? Her first fiction book. Like it, it, she just wrote. So she's been a wildlife researcher her whole life. She writes textbooks that are you know, about wildlife, like real life wildlife. She, it takes place, so this book takes place in North Carolina in 1960, 1960s. And it's about this town. This girl lives out on the marsh with her family. She's six. And when the book starts, five or six years old. And she, the first, the first page, her mom leaves. She sees her mom walking down the lane with her suitcase and her alligator shoes and her mom doesn't stop to turn and wave but she always does when she's going to the store and so she knows her mom's not coming back and then slowly all the siblings start to leave and then she's basically left there a six-year-old to raise herself oh, in a shack on the marsh so she becomes known in town as the marsh girl and she like she she just finds a way to fend for herself she finds a way to sell things for money she finds a way to go to the store and the count change and this boy, Tate, I didn't realize there was even romance in it, but there is. I didn't and, either. Uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, like, complicated romance. And this boy teaches her to read. And um, he comes to see her and they fall in love. And uh, all I, there's just there's a drama that happens, obviously. it's There's a murder mystery that starts out. And you kind of flash forward to um, her her you flash forward through her life but you're also keeping up with the current day murder mm -hmm. mystery that's happening 
And so there's everything I love. Yeah. <laughs> it has everything. It's romance. <laughs> there's murder. Um, and so it, like, it's, um, it's be- it's just beautifully written. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're in this place of the, this quiet marsh with like these animals and this like the, tw- the the twilight and the the trees and the water and it's like it's like she 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 loves this mm-hmm. she loves this wildlife so much you can feel it. This author loves this these things. I love them. And um, she's like a know, regular Harper Lee though. Like she just wrote <laughs> one book and that's it. it felt it she's felt like I don't. Like- She's like, I don't it need to write. Like really? Like, She's like, I don't yeah. need to write another book. I did it. <laughs> like, okay, I achieved success. What else do you want? So, anyways, wow. and they're ma- I think they're making it into a movie. I feel like everything I read lately, I'm like, I'm not making it into a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think they cast Alicia Vikander, who I think is um, to, to play the adult version of Marsh Girl. Who is she? And I think she's, I think, well, she's an actress, but I think she's like, uh, you know, I think she's Michael Fassbender. Is she with Michael Fassbender? I, I feel know. like that's they they've been together for a while. But she's beautiful. I actress. forgot about him just until you said that. <laughs> I forgot. Like he, I was like, oh yeah, we used to think he was hot. Wow. Oh, I'm sure I, he still is, but I, I totally forgot about him. Anyways, where the crawdads sing by Delia Owens. It's um, it's not like a typical romance. Like there's you know there's things you know it's not like it's not going to feel like a romance novel. But yeah. There is okay. Romance in it. Uh, it's so beautiful. So if you get a chance to read it, it's definitely, I'd lived up to the hype for me. That's I, awesome. I, it was about a woman. It was about a woman's life and her passion and her soul and her heart. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. So it keeps getting recommended to me. Four years later, I'm like, no, I probably won't <laughs> like it. I don't know what to pick it up. I, 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 yeah. I think I bought it for my grandmother and then she returned it to me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, it's here. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. No excuse. And also, no power. I'm just really enjoying reading hardbacks right now. Like, just yeah. having a big hardback in front uh-huh. of me is so nice. Mm-hmm. It feels different. It feels different than reading on a Kindle or listening to it. I can't even pick up my Kindle. Like, all I want to read is physical books right now. Yeah. I was going through that, too. Yeah. I had a big stack of books. I actually had the Nikki Sloan series, like, ready to go at the beach, and LB took them from me. And LB had the first book, and she was, like, swimming or something when we were on the beach. And my mom was like, is she reading this? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I'll finish it before she gets back. And, like, my mom just plowed through the book. She's, like, a speed reader or something. What does she think of it? Uh, she read all three before we left the beach. And then she was like, well, I have to download the fourth yeah, now. She did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she loved it. She was like, she said, not what I expected, really liked it. <laughs> I was like, all right. It's not what you're expecting. The fourth one's really good too. She'll like that. So you got the mom mec- mom recommendation on that too. So uh, you should be proud of yourself, Tessa. Speaking of uh, recommendations on stuff, I, that's not, I don't know why I tried to segue into this. I don't have one. But I just wanted to say it is once again that time of year that I have to go get my lady business checked out. And I just want to remind everybody, get your pap smears, get your mammograms. If you're listening to this and you have not had a baseline mammogram, get one. If your insurance does not cover it, ask how much it is and see if you can pay it out of pocket if you're able to. A baseline mammogram is the best and most wonderful thing you can do for yourself for the future so that you get a really good baseline mammogram so that if anything ever comes up later, they can compare your mammogram to your first original one. They can tell you early detection if there's anything wrong. So you definitely want to do that if you haven't done it. But I made my yearly physical And I was like, it's time for me to get my vagina checked. So I'm going to tell all you lady (laughs) listeners out there too, check your pussy. 
Get it done. So check your pussy. Check your pussy. <laughs> if we title their if we title their episodes. Oh my god, that would be the best title ever. But, um, <laughs> I just want to say that too. Like, and you know, I've I've not been excited about going to my gynecologist because the last time I saw her, I had gained a bunch of weight. And she was like, you're pre-diabetic. Like, she did all my blood work and stuff. She was like, you're pre-diabetic. I'm going to need you to lose some weight. And I haven't done it. Like, I'm I'm morbidly obese on her chart. It's like, whatever is beyond, it's morbidly obese is where I'm at on her chart of what I should weigh. And I, I get that some of that is sort of ridiculous on what the expectation is for someone as tall as, as we are or as women are. But, um... I do need to lose weight. And that was something that I was like, I'm going to promise myself I'm going to try and and do that this time. Like when I go when I go see her and when I get done, I'm going to have a really honest conversation with her about it. So so I just wanted to tell you guys, check your pussy. Okay. <laughs> All right. So and you might be in a bad mood. Soon. I know, right. I might be in a bad <laughs> mood. Because huh? I'm going to have I'm, Going on a diet? Yeah, right? I'm going to have somebody elbow deep up in my junk. <laughs> I thought that's what you were talking about. But no, I mean, it, it, you know, that I've been avoiding it because I usually go around my birthday every year. And obviously COVID has pushed things off. But, um, you know, like it, it's just something that like I have to stop putting off. I have to take like responsibility and for my own health and stuff. So I just want to like remind everybody else, hey, while I'm doing this, maybe you should do it too. So do it with me. Okay, so... I'm going to tell, I'm going to talk about what we have, what we're like, what I have going on this week before we play it, just in case people aren't listening, aren't going to listen. Okay, I know some of you might dip out early. Okay. Okay. So Getaway Girl is free this week uh, on all platforms. Go, uh, go check it out. Go get it. It's one of my favorite books. You'll love it. You can pre-order a, co- a, a physical signed copy of Tools of Engagement right now. Um just look for the look in the show notes. I'll put the link down there, but also we'll promote it somewhere on our social media this week. Uh, it comes out in September on t- September twenty second. But if you pre order the the book now, the the paperback, you can get assigned one in the mail. That's awesome. And what was the other thing? Oh, go to readmeromance.com and enter to win my mystery box of goodies. Yeah, you can enter if but you want, guys, but I'm getting it. Everything? Yeah, I'm definitely winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, make sure if you want to help support the podcast and keep this going, buy our merch. Support uh, your podcast by wearing our swag. Uh, we have everything. If you go on um, any of our social medias, we have all the links on there for merch that we have that you can get and just... Uh, Keep this train rolling. Awesome. Okay. All right. So here's the second half of the seven-year itch, and we will talk to you on the other side. Bye. 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 Chapter four. Drew closed the bathroom door quietly behind him so as not to wake up Shannon, who slept down the hall. He turned on the shower and dropped heavily onto the rim of the bathtub, exhaustion weighing heavy on his shoulders. His double shift had run later than usual, thanks to a lead, sending him out to Queens at the last minute. He wanted nothing more than to fall into bed. Unfortunately, his body had other ideas. Several times throughout the day, he'd replayed his encounter with the masked gypsy in his mind, over and over, until he ached with physical need. He couldn't close his eyes without hearing her whisper his name her voice hoarse with arousal. Couldn't stop fantasizing about the perfection of her thighs in the near darkness. 
their smoothness, the way they parted for his mouth. When he woke up this morning, the need hadn't been this intense. He'd had it under control. Then Jamie walked in and made it infinitely worse. Apparently, his all-consuming attraction hadn't been cured in one night with the stranger, because his lewd thoughts continued to be centered on his best friend. Sweet, kind, generous, C-cup-sized Jamie. One day, he'd had it under control. They'd gone about their familiar routine, Jamie none the wiser. The next, he's screwing a perfect stranger in a storage closet, and his innocent best friend is wearing dresses that show off her distractingly perky breasts and walking through the park with some fucker named Doug. He'd never given any thought to Jamie dating before, and he did not like it. He liked it even less now that she was wearing her hair down. What was wrong with the braid? He liked the braid, damn it. Drew threaded his fingers through his hair and tugged hard. He needed to get a hold of himself. Jamie was the only constant in his life, the only thing he could count on when everything else went to shit. Just because he noticed her physically didn't mean he could act on it. Noticed. <laughs> Understatement of the year. Craved. Ached for. Those were better descriptions. He peeled his shirt over his head and tossed it into the hamper. By the time his hands dropped to his fly, he'd already grown hard, insistently so. All goddamn day, he'd managed to keep himself in check, but now the ache demanded relief. His work pants dropped to the floor, and he stepped under the hot shower spray, which only served to heighten his current aroused state. Letting the water course over his body, Drew braced one arm on the wall and closed his eyes. The gypsy materialized in his mind, the way she looked walking through the crowd, a little unsure of her direction, until her gaze landed on him. She took his hand without question and let him lead her to the dance floor. Only this time, when Drew kissed her, he didn't take her mouth roughly. Instead, he coaxed her lips open gently and let his tongue play with hers. He trailed his fingers down her arm and felt her shiver, pulling her closer to his warmth. His hand skimmed down her back, just below her waist, to grip the flimsy material of her skirt, enough to let her know he wanted her ass in his hands. Drew groaned as the tone of his fantasy changed. Went from innocent to explicit. He'd known it would come to this. He couldn't even be decent to this girl in his dreams. She brought something out of him, and now, in the privacy of his own thoughts, he once again let the lust break free. Burying his face against his forearm, his other hand circled his erection tightly. His breath shuddered out at the simple contact. So great had his need grown through the interminably long day, he let his mind transport him back to the tiny dark room as he began stroking himself slowly. The second the supply closet door closed behind them, Drew grasped her around the waist and set her on the desk. He inserted his hips between her thighs, forcing them wide, so he could see the black swath of fabric hiding her pussy. As he unlaced the corset, he kept his eyes locked on her mouth, impatient for her to use it on him. Her lips parted in anticipation, a tiny breath ghosting through them. The leather corset dropped away onto the floor, 
bearing the sexiest pair of tits he'd ever seen. Her rosy nipples had a slight upward tilt, as though they were straining toward the pleasure of his mouth. He picked her graceful hand off the table and laid it along her inner thigh. While I suck your nipples, you're gonna finger yourself nice and slow. Do not stop. She nodded once, letting her legs slide open even wider on the desk. One hand trailed higher on her thigh until it reached her panties and pushed them aside. A growl escaped Drew when she slid her two fingers inside, her head falling back on a moan. Then, his mouth descended on her breasts, teasing and tasting with quick licks, sucking them deep, rolling them on his tongue. Her hips writhed frantically on the desk, fingers thrusting in and out, in time with his mouth's movements. Please, please, Drew, she whispered. In the shower, his fist tightened, pumping even faster at hearing her say his name. He knew what he needed her to do, knew what to imagine next in order to achieve a mind-blowing release. He'd been thinking about it incessantly all day. In his mind, he couldn't stop himself from snatching her off the desk and putting her on her knees, facing him on the floor. She licked her top lip eagerly, guessing his intention. Open your pretty mouth, he rasped, rubbing his erection along the damp seam of her lips. She obeyed. You'll lick every inch before I let you suck. Yes, Drew, she said. So quietly, he barely heard. Her tongue swept out, licking him base to tip, eyelids fluttering closed on a satisfied sigh. She tortured him with her mouth, every movement designed to drive him crazy. The expression on her face spoke of intense gratification as though she couldn't get enough of him. Finally, he couldn't take it anymore, pushing his hard length between her lips, demanding she take him deep. The sight of her red mouth sliding up and down his erection pushed him painfully close to the edge. But something was missing. He needed to see her face, didn't want their involvement to be anonymous anymore. He reached down and pulled off the purple mask. Jamie he groaned. Coming so hard in his own hand, his knees nearly buckled beneath him. Jimmy pushed her reading glasses higher on her nose and leaned forward to study the museum's newest arrival, a nude marble statue dating back to the mid-imperial period. Having majored in art history, then worked at the museum for quite some time, she'd grown well used to nudity. Why she suddenly found her gaze dropping to the statue's genital region way more often than was proper or necessary, she couldn't explain. She should not be comparing the statue's penis size to a certain someone's and feeling smug over that certain someone's vast superiority in that department. Unprofessional did not even begin to cover her train of thought. She made a notion on her clipboard that after a thorough inspection, She'd found the statue in perfect condition upon delivery, then sighed. Thorough inspection indeed. This morning, she'd picked up cinnamon rolls and brought them over to Drew and Shannon, as she did every Monday morning. But it hadn't felt the same. Conversation between herself and Drew had been stilted. Not awkward, exactly, but vastly different from their usual easy banter. They'd given each other wide berth in the kitchen, He'd even neglected to kiss her on the forehead before leaving for work. As he'd walked out the door, she'd only been able to come up with one explanation. 
She obviously wasn't hiding her feelings as well as she'd done before the Halloween party. It must be painfully obvious to him. His nerdy neighbor, who he'd firmly placed in the friend zone, had developed an inconvenient crush on him. Drew, a trained police officer, had to be picking up on it. Little wonder, since she could barely be in the same room with him anymore. Not without thinking about where his mouth had been. Jamie fanned herself with the clipboard. Pull it together, woman. Are you hot? Doug asked, coming up next to her and making her jump. Standing in the warehouse section of the museum, she'd been unaware of anyone else in the vicinity. No, she stuttered. I'm just, you know, I'm really excited about this new acquisition. He tilted his head at the statue. I don't know. Looks pretty much the same as the rest of them. Jamie's eyes widened in reproof. I'm just kidding. It's majestic. She laughed. You definitely belong in the financial department. Doug smiled over the rim of his coffee mug, and Jamie took a moment to consider him. Older than her by a few years, Doug looked like a physics professor with an edge. His sandy blonde hair dipped down into sideburns and black-rimmed glasses completed the look. He played the harmonica. He listened to political talk radio. Got excited over Lord of the Rings-related news. These were interests they didn't necessarily share, but she liked him nonetheless, possibly more so for his little quirks. She'd never thought of Doug as anything more than a friend. But in light of her current situation, she let herself ponder the possibility of accepting one of his many date requests. After all, wasn't she standing in his shoes at the moment? It felt terrible, having feelings for someone who didn't return them. She didn't want to be responsible for Doug feeling the way she felt. He lowered his mug. So, how did you spend your Halloween? She blew a breath toward the ceiling, deciding the truth was safe, since he'd never believe her. Oh, the usual. I dressed up as a gypsy, danced with the Lone Ranger. She shrugged. Let's just say by the end of the night, I had to climb down a fire escape so he wouldn't learn my true identity. Sounds eventful, and much better than mine. Uh-oh, Grandma strikes again? Doug slumped against the wall. She asked me to come over and hand out candy to the neighborhood kids where she lives in Jersey, but she failed to mention she was also having her weekly book club meeting. I spent the night listening to my grandmother and her friends discuss a book titled His Naughtiest Obsession. I mean, he shivered. You can't unhear that. Jamie laughed. If you can't beat him, join him. Right, I'll add it to my reading list. She started to move past him toward the warehouse exit. He walked beside her a few steps, then stopped, shifted uneasily. Uh, listen, I was thinking if you weren't busy Friday night, we could grab dinner, you know, just casual. Her conditioned response to say no nearly caused her to mumble yet another in a long line of excuses. But she stopped herself at the last second. What exactly was she waiting for? Drew to show up at her door with roses, professing his undying affection? Yes, she realized, feeling slightly sick. This is what she'd been unconsciously waiting for, for seven years. It's what she wanted with her whole heart. Her best friend to see her as something more than his confidant, 
his comic relief, his breakfast buddy. In the name of self-preservation, she needed to find a way to move past Drew. Being close to him, aching to touch him, had begun to wear her down. She didn't want to let him go as a friend, didn't think she could bear it, but something needed to give. If she could just take this one little step, go on a date with someone, step outside her comfort zone, maybe her heart would follow. Maybe a miracle would happen, and she'd suddenly be able to see past Drew. Still, a tiny part of her, a part that hated quitting on something she knew could be amazing, wanted to give Drew one more chance to come around, to realize they could be more. Tonight was movie night at her place, just the two of them. As much as the idea terrified her, tonight she would lay her cards on the table. The worst outcome was rejection, but the alternative would be to walk away without even trying. She owed it to herself to try. Doug watched her silently, as though preparing himself for her inevitable excuse. She felt a flash of guilt for thinking about Drew when Doug stood five feet away. Can I let you know tomorrow morning? I mean, if that's short notice. His gaze shot wide. No, no, that's fine. Let me know tomorrow. With a small smile, she ducked her head and left the warehouse. Tomorrow, whatever the outcome of her plan, everything would be different by then. Chapter 5 Drew set down a heavy cardboard box and his toolkit outside Jamie's door before raising his hand to knock. Since when do you knock? They had spare sets to each other's apartments. She knew he was coming. So why didn't he just walk in like he always did? Maybe because you tugged one out to the thought of her in the shower, dipshit. Not once, twice. Only the second time, he hadn't bothered with the whole gypsy costume pretext. It had just been him and Jamie, under a waterfall, signaling the complete loss of his ever-loving mind. He kept telling himself that his sudden infatuation with Jamie had to be a phase. Two mornings in a row, she'd shown up for breakfast with her hair down, wearing a dress. Looking so sweet, he wanted to take a bite out of her. It stood to reason that with her new look, he'd become even more aware of her. It would pass eventually, and they'd go back to normal. If normal meant keeping himself in check every time she came within 10 feet of him. In the meantime, he needed to keep his hands off her while he got his hormones under control which is why he'd stopped by the hardware store after work and picked up shelves. She'd mentioned months ago that she needed a place to store her art books. So tonight, he would kill two birds with one stone. Jamie would get her shelves, and he would keep his hands busy doing something besides throwing her down and stroking them over every inch of her hot little body. And maybe in a way, the shelves were Drew's way of assuaging his guilt. He'd used Jamie's image to get himself off. He owed her. These were shelves of contrition. He could not, under any circumstances, act on his urges. If he did, if he damaged the bond he'd created with Jamie, he would never forgive himself. When his parents died and he'd been forced to come home from Syracuse to raise Shannon, the world around him had looked depressingly bleak. He'd questioned every decision he made regarding his sister positive that if he made one wrong move, everything would blow up in his face. Each day, 
He'd moved from one end of a dark tunnel to the other, Shannon just as shell-shocked as him. Then, Jamie. She never pushed or asked any uncomfortable questions, just soothed them with her presence while they healed. She'd been like a life preserver, and he'd hung on for dear life. Hell, he was still hanging on for dear life. Things between them felt off lately, and it killed him. Knew the fault rested solely on his shoulders. She'd stirred some decidedly unfriend-like feelings in him, and he hadn't been handling it well. He would fix that tonight. With renewed determination, Drew unlocked the door and pushed it open. Jamie's head popped up from the book she was reading. Glasses tilted a little in the process. His heart tugged in his chest. She sat at her kitchen table, one foot tucked underneath her, hair tumbling around her shoulders. Gorgeous. So gorgeous. Hey, she greeted him, unfolding her leg to stand. He swallowed heavily when he saw she wore one of his navy blue NYPD t-shirts over a pair of tight black leggings. Had he seen her in leggings before? God, she had sexy legs. How many times had he seen her wearing that shirt? Now, he wanted to strip it slowly over her head, revealing her top belly and breasts before letting it fall to the floor. Her nose wrinkled and she gestured to the box. What's that? Shelves, he answered, voice raw. She looked confused a moment before brightening considerably. My shelves are in there? Drew nodded, her unrestrained smile tightening his chest. He couldn't help returning it. Call it an early Christmas present. Where do you want them? Um, she turned in a quick circle, biting her lip. There? No, there. He set the boxes down next to the wall, she indicated, glad to finally have his back turned. She looked soft and way too close to the couch or the floor. Too close, period. As he set to work, Jamie went to the kitchen and opened the fridge, pulling out two beers. So how was work today, she asked. Catch any bad guys? Or did you let Batman do all your dirty work for you again? Batman. That guy is such a glory hog. At least our uniforms are more comfortable. He took the beer she offered him. Their gazes met, but they both looked away just as quickly. An ache took up residence in his belly. Keep it light. Get things back on even ground. Didn't catch any bad guys. I did, however, rescue one drunken bachelor party member who woke up naked this morning in the fountain outside Lincoln Center. He had a penis and a bow tie drawn on his head in Sharpie. Ooh, a fancy penis. Jamie laughed and tipped her beer back trying his best not to notice the sensual curve of her throat or how she smelled like ginger snap cookies, Drew crouched down to retrieve the level from his toolbox. I don't mind fishing drunks out of fountains. At this point, I'm just happy when I get a call that isn't Shannon related. Jamie grew serious. Everything okay on that front? Today went smoothly. He straightened, held the level up to the wall, but I'm sure she's hard at work plotting her next move. Drew, you're doing a great job. She turned and moved away from him. You've done a great job. You've given her a home, security. She knows you love her. All the important things. He frowned after Jamie, 
wondering why she'd felt the need to offer such passionate reassurance, when normally she would make a joke and move on. It was their routine, something that never failed to make him feel better. The heavy stuff always went unsaid between them. How was work for you? He made a mark with his pencil on the wall. How's Doug? Immediately, Drew wanted to rescind the question. He didn't even want to know the answer, but curiosity about the other man had been burning in his gut since Sunday morning. Maybe if he listened to her discuss another man, the not-for-you message would finally make it to his brain. Sure, keep telling yourself that. He's fine. He's Doug. Is Doug the reason you've been wearing your hair down? Jamie looked thrown by the question. I know, but maybe he could be. With a small shake of her head, she continued. He asked me out again today. Again? Drew tossed his level onto the floor a little harder than intended. Exactly how many times has he asked you out? I'm not keeping a running tally. She stood silently behind him as he hammered two nails into the wall. He picked up the first shelf to hang. Why have you never said yes? Because I've always thought of him as just a friend. A long pause. But I've been thinking lately that maybe people get comfortable being friends and overlook the possibility of something more. Her words hung heavy in the air. When she spoke again, she'd moved closer. He could feel her body heat at his back. Dread battled with excitement in his belly. Something even better, she finished. Then Jamie's hand slid up under his shirt, and his mind went blank. Jamie's heart raced uncontrollably. This is it. You've made your move, and things can never be the same as before. The realization freed her. For so long, she wanted to touch him like this. But she'd been too afraid. Now? Her only fear was the eventual effect of keeping her feelings locked up. She'd come to this decision today, fully aware of the repercussions. Knowing rejection was a definite possibility, but so exhausted from keeping up the happy-go-lucky facade that she had to take the chance. Being just his friend didn't work for her anymore. In fact, it had started to be incredibly painful. She needed more. Or she needed to distance herself. She inhaled Drew's spicy scent and swallowed her nerves. He'd almost gone completely still under her hands, his warm skin rising and falling a little faster than normal. His arms were occupied holding the shelf high against the wall. And Jamie fleetingly realized they'd reversed positions from the night of the party when he'd put her in the same pose. She closed her eyes and let her palm skim over his ridged abdomen, tracing the muscles with the tips of her fingers. He didn't speak as she trailed her hands higher, letting them stroke over his pectorals. A strangled sound left his throat, one she couldn't interpret. Jamie, his voice sounded rough. Aroused? Irritated? She released a shaky breath. Drew, do you ever wonder if we're missing something? That maybe there's more between us than friendship? Giving in to an urge she'd had ever since seeing Drew shirtless on the beach in Coney Island all those years ago, she lifted his shirt by the hem and kissed his powerful back. Beneath her mouth, the muscles shifted, tightened. You're my best friend, 
he said harshly. That's how I think of you. That's how it has to stay. In Jamie's chest, her heart ruptured just a little. But she pushed forward. She'd risked having Drew in her life for this and would damn well make a full effort before throwing in the towel. I know how you see me. I'm your innocent, semi-nerdy friend next door. Your sounding board, your coffee buddy. I can be more than that. You think that's all you are to me? He sounded pained. How can you? Needing to release her thoughts, Jamie closed her eyes and kept talking as though he hadn't spoken. She thought of the man he'd become in the storage closet. The man who'd been overtly sexual, forceful. Maybe you have needs you don't think I'll understand. She took a deep, fortifying breath, remembering his rough words in the darkness of the closet. How demanding he'd been physically. I understand more than you think. Then she raked her nails down his back. Fuck. The shelf dropped to the floor with a loud clack, and Drew spun around to face her. She couldn't read his expression. He looked panicked. But something lay just beneath the surface. His eyes were glazed. His breathing sounded labored. She wouldn't allow herself to hope that his reaction meant anything other than shock. But that hope bloomed nonetheless when he stepped into her space, gazed zeroing in on her mouth. What the hell are you doing? Jamie flinched a little, but stood her ground. Just say the words, get them out before they eat you alive. It's simple. I'm interested in something more with you. The question is, do you want the same with me? For long moments, Drew stared at her as though he didn't even recognize her. She knew then what his answer would be, but she wouldn't save him the trouble of saying it out loud first. She needed to hear him vocalize it. Jamie. Drew took a step toward her. You're more than some coffee buddy. It hurts me to even hear you say something like that. You're the only reason I've survived the last seven years. If it didn't work out, he shook his head. We might not be able to go back. I'm not jeopardizing what we have, and he hesitated. What we have is friendship, the best friendship. A dam opened up inside her chest, the hurt too severe to feel embarrassment or regret. It numbed everything else. She barely felt her lips move. All right. Drew, looking at a loss for what to do next, picked up the shelf as though he meant to continue hanging it. She stopped him. Why don't you put the shelves up another time? I should probably turn in early. She hated the lie she was about to tell. But somewhere deep down, she'd known it would come to this. They changed my hours at the museum. I'll be going in early for the winter months. The panic returned to his eyes. What about breakfast? Knowing how easily Drew could see through her, she skirted around him and opened the front door, signaling that he should leave. Her heart felt bruised and battered. She needed to be alone. It's just for the winter. Things will go back to normal in the spring. He stopped in front of her, toolkit forgotten on the floor. I can tell when you're lying, Jamie. I know everything about you. She shook her head sadly. No, you don't. His brow knit. As though in a trance, he walked through the door. He faced away from her for a moment before turning back. The stark misery on his face almost broke her. 
Why does this feel like you're telling me goodbye, Jamie? His throat worked with emotion. I can't do this, any of this, without you next to me. Jamie would never know how she managed to stop herself from bursting into tears. But she'd already exposed too much of herself tonight. And goddammit, she was the one standing there with the broken heart, not him. Yes, you can. I'm not your crutch. Maybe in the beginning you needed my help, but not now. You're stronger and more capable than you were back then. And I need someone who needs me for more than moral support. She started to close the door, but he stopped it with his hand. Don't do this. Don't shut me out. Jamie lost her battle with her tears. I'm sorry. I don't have a choice. A sob racked her chest. Good night, Drew. Jamie. She pulled the door closed. Chapter 6 Drew sat at his desk Friday afternoon, staring down at his paperwork, but not actually seeing it. He hadn't seen Jamie in four days, except to watch her from the window as she left for work. Shannon had since stopped talking to him as well, correctly sensing that he had something to do with Jamie's absence. Three cheers for female intuition. He'd been excommunicated by both women in his life and still didn't have the faintest idea how the hell it happened. One thing he knew for certain, he missed his Jamie like crazy. He could hear her voice in his head so clearly it made him ache to see her. The last four days had been spent racking his brain, trying to think of some magical way to fix things. After discarding several plans that involved everything from groveling to ballet tickets, he'd come to one disconcerting realization. None of them would work. As long as he'd known Jamie, she'd never once said anything out of anger or lost her temper and done something she regretted a day later. She'd meant every word of what she said Monday night. He couldn't give her some silly gift and make her laugh transforming everything back to normal. And that's what he wanted, right? His best friend back, without any of the touching, right? Or her nails raking down his back. Drew groaned. Christ, the memory of that made him so fucking hot. He'd gone over to Jamie's to install some damn shelves, watch a little anchor man. The next thing he knew, the girl he'd thought he knew like the back of his hand was feeling him up. It had taken every ounce of self-control not to drag her to the floor and peel those leggings down her thighs, giving her something worth scratching his back over. During the painfully long week, the time usually spent with Jamie had instead been spent wondering why he was so afraid to make the leap. He wanted her. God, he wanted her. It hurt just how much. Had he used her like a crutch, as she'd accused him of? When he'd gotten the call that his parents were gone, his world had been thrown into upheaval at age 20. He'd learned to cope by trying to control Shannon, by keeping Jamie firmly in a compartment without any wiggle room. Pancakes on Sundays, cinnamon rolls on Mondays, movie night, pizza night. Apart from his one night of rebellion with the gypsy, He'd created an obsessive routine for himself and involved Jamie in it. Without a thought to what she needed. If so, 
If he'd been taking unconscious advantage of Jamie, it ended now. He wanted to find out what she needed and give it to her. If she still wanted him, fan-fucking-tastic. Because she already had him. But would she accept him now? There'd been a sickening finality in her voice when she all but threw him out on Monday night. The possibility existed that he was too late. He'd taken too long to identify his problem. The damage had already been done. No, he couldn't let her walk. Tonight, he'd go to her tonight. Brent Mason, one of his fellow officers, materialized in front of his desk, looking grim. You know that expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? With a groan, Drew dragged a hand down his face, already knowing where the conversation was headed. Just tell me what Shannon did this time. Got it. Brent consulted his notepad. They just picked up your sister for shoplifting at a clothing store down on Bowery. His head popped up. There is a silver lining, however. She shoplifted a Sex Pistols t-shirt. The girl has got excellent taste in music. Drew stood and pulled on his jacket. Glad you approve. You want to be in charge of her for a week? Might be good practice since I got two girls of my own on the way. He tapped his watch. Any day now. But I'm too busy catering to Hayden's cravings. Here's a tip. If she hasn't had these babies by tomorrow, buy stock in Nutella. You got it, man. Drew grabbed the offered piece of notebook paper, consulting it for the store's address as he strode toward the exit. Thanks for the heads up. I hope they don't give you as much trouble as my sister. Oh, they will. Trouble runs in the family. Shannon flung the door open and stomped into the apartment, her heavy boots loud on the floorboards. Slowly, Drew closed the door behind them, watching her through narrowed eyes as she opened the refrigerator and perused the contents. They hadn't spoken on the ride home from the clothing store, where he'd found her cuffed in the employee lounge, flirting and exchanging phone numbers with a security guard, the same security guard who'd arrested her. On his sister's misadventure scale, shoplifting rated a mere six out of 10. Drew could tell from her blasé expression that she didn't expect him to make a big deal out of it. A t-shirt, big deal, right? Wrong. She'd caught him on a shitty day. The only person who understood him in the entire world, the girl he was beginning to think might just be perfect for him, had cut him completely out of her life. He hadn't seen her smelled her or made her laugh in four days. And the bleached blonde teenager with a shiny new tongue ring, currently drinking milk straight from the carton, had just ramped his frustration up to full volume. So this time, he wouldn't let it slide. He didn't care if he only made it worse on himself. Because exactly how much worse could it get? Shannon popped a grape into her mouth and dropped into a chair. So what's up for tonight? Don't you and Jamie go to the movies on Fridays? Oh boy, wrong thing to say. He flung his work bag onto the couch and indicated the apartment with a wide sweeping gesture. Is there something I'm not doing for you, Shannon? Did I miss some crucial step along the way? Because honestly, I'm running out of ideas here. He pushed an irritated hand through his hair. I know, we got dealt a shitty hand. What happened to us is terrible. 
We reacted to mom and dad's death in different ways. But I'm trying my absolute best, and I get nothing, nothing back. So tell me, what can I do better? Enlighten me. Shannon sat very still on the chair, her eyes wide. Is this it? Are you finally giving up? Drew's anger took a nosedive. What? She looked up at the ceiling, he suspected to keep the tears he'd glimpsed from falling. He wanted to pull his sister into his arms, but he sensed something important coming, and he needed to hear the explanation for what she'd said. I said, are you finally giving up? Took you long enough. You're going to have to be more specific. Giving up on you? Yes, brother of mine, she said slowly, as if he were hard of hearing. Me. Can't say I didn't see this coming. Especially with Jamie finally ditching your ass. A little too much to handle on your own, aren't I? Well, no shit. With effort, Drew ignored the barb about Jamie ditching him, even as he recognized the accuracy of the statement. The rest of Shannon's rant might as well have been in Greek. Where exactly is this coming from? Am I angry? Yes. That doesn't mean I'm giving up on you. Shannon exploded to her feet. God, I'm so sick of your noble bullshit. You're like a fucking robot. Work, cook, clean. Fix Shannon's latest problems for her. I never asked you to give up everything for me. She fell back into the chair, breathing heavily. How do you do it, Drew? How do you pretend so well that you don't hate me? As Drew watched his sister dissolve into tears, he felt like his chest had caved in. His legs were rooted to the ground, but he forced himself forward and dropped down beside her chair. Hates you. How could you say something like that? Shannon rolled her eyes. Poor Drew. Forced to give up his fancy college boy dreams to come home and raise the black sheep of the family. What a fucking hero. Her fist came down hard on the table. I ruined your life and you never even complained. You're such an asshole. Listen to me, Shannon. No one forced me to do anything, Drew insisted. This is where I want to be. She continued as though he'd never spoken. I've tried everything. I was so sure when I set that janitor's closet on fire freshman year, you would pack me off to a distant relative. Short of knocking over a bank, what else do I have to do? To make you realize I'm not worth giving everything up for. Just like that, everything clicked into place. The last seven years, he'd assumed Shannon was acting out because of their parents' death, when all this time she'd felt guilty. Her actions had been designed to force him into giving up, and he'd been blind to it. Drew squeezed his sister's hand. Shannon, I came home to raise you. Yes, of course I did. I love you. His gaze met Shannon's surprised one. He knew then he hadn't told her he loved her nearly enough. I also came home because you were all I had left. Their death was just as hard on me. I needed my sister. I've never regretted coming home, not for a second. She burst into tears, crying in a way he hadn't seen her do since childhood. Even at their parents' funeral, she'd been unnaturally quiet. Now her body shook with the force of her sobs. Drew wrapped his arms around her and let her wail into his neck. 
They stayed that way for a long while, until finally the tears subsided and she sat back in her chair, wiping her eyes with the sleeve of her hoodie. I'm sorry, Drew, she hiccuped. I'm so sorry about everything. His breath came out in a rush. A lot of this could have been avoided if we just talked about it. That's partially my fault. He gave her a half smile. You women should come with a manual. I'm starting to realize I have no fucking clue what any of you are thinking. Shannon's laugh sounded watery. It doesn't sound right when you curse. Why don't you just leave the foul language to me? Done. He stood with a sigh. After their unusual display of emotions, they both seemed a little unsure of how to proceed. You smudged some of that black stuff around your eyes. Why don't you go clean it off and I'll make coffee. Perfect. <laughs> Looking relieved, Shannon darted toward the bathroom and closed the door. Drew opened the cabinet to remove two mugs, freezing when he saw his and Jamie's Sasquatch mug sitting on the second shelf. After his long overdue talk with Shannon, a light, relieved feeling had permeated his chest that the reminder of his best friend caused the heaviness to return. He weighed the mug in his hand. Today was Friday, Jamie's day for the mug. Not once in seven years had she ever missed her turn. And today would be no exception. She would take the damn mug whether she liked it or not. Keys in hand, he knocked on Jamie's door a moment later. Although evening had fallen, it didn't surprise him when she failed to answer. She'd barely been home all week, avoiding him, no doubt. After a moment's hesitation, he unlocked the door and pushed it open. He set the Sasquatch mug down on the counter with a click where she could see it, then turned to leave. But something stopped him before he could reach the door. He hadn't been this close to Jamie in days. She might consider this an invasion of privacy, but he couldn't leave just yet. Her bedroom door caught his eye. During their entire friendship, he'd only been inside once, when Jamie had caught the flu. Before Drew could stop himself, he'd walked inside. When her scent washed over him, he closed his eyes and dropped down on the edge of the bed. Directly in front of him, on her dresser, sat a picture of Shannon, Jamie, and himself, taken at Shannon's eighth grade graduation. Family. They looked like a family. Quickly, Drew looked away, his gaze landing on something shoved underneath the dresser, something purple. The only thing out of place in Jamie's otherwise tidy room. Frowning slightly, he leaned forward and tugged. Drew could only stare down at the purple mask, his brain refusing to accept what his eyes were seeing. No, it had to be a coincidence, he thought, even as his stomach rebelled violently. He shot to his feet and approached the closet flung the door wide open. In the center of the closet hung the gypsy costume, complete with black wig folded neatly into its plastic bag. The night of the party came back to him in quick, startlingly clear snippets, assaulting his brain. Him telling the gypsy he needed to take her to a dark room and pound himself into her. His denial of her touch. The way he'd left her there, half naked. The loneliness he'd sensed the first time he'd seen the gypsy. No, not a gypsy. Jamie. No, 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 no. Mask in hand, he raced back to his apartment, entering just as Shannon walked out of the bathroom. 
He grabbed her by the shoulders. Do you know where Jamie went? Her gaze skittered away. I just texted her. Figured you might need her around after, just tell me where she is, Shannon. She's out with Doug. That bistro down on Delancey. Shannon searched his face while he absorbed a swift kick to his ribs, courtesy of Jamie being out with another man. On top of everything else that had already happened today, he needed to feel nauseating, irrational jealousy, like he needed a hole in the head. Did you finally figure it out? Oh, for the love of God, you knew. You knew she was the gypsy? Gypsy? Her brows shot up. Did you fall and hit your head, bro? I meant, did you finally figure out Jamie is in love with you? Drew's hands dropped from his shoulders. He backed up slowly until he met with the kitchen wall. His sister's words rang in his head, drowning out rational thought. Jamie, my Jamie loves me. For the second time that day, Shannon's eyes filled with tears. Oh, Drew. She's not your Jamie. The hell she's not. His head fell back against the wall. Shannon, you never shy away from telling me when I'm being an idiot. Where were you on this one? Sorry, you had to figure it out on your own this time. He'd already started moving toward the door. Where are you going? To get my girl. Chapter 7 Jamie sipped a second glass of wine, her braised short ribs barely touched in front of her. They tasted amazing, but she couldn't seem to muster an appetite. So far, Doug had proven to be interesting company, filling her in on finance department gossip and making her laugh with stories about his wacky grandmother. She should have been enjoying herself. It made her feel guilty that she couldn't formulate proper responses to his questions. Her laughter felt forced, even though Doug didn't seem to notice. Perhaps she'd jumped into the dating world too soon. She'd only just given up on Drew ever seeing her as more than a friend. Her heart hadn't healed enough yet. And maybe a teeny tiny part of her had started to regret closing her door in Drew's face. She'd underestimated just how much she would miss him. She felt lost, off kilter. That very morning at the museum, She'd caught two senior citizens making out like teenagers in the stairwell of the North Wing. The woman, looking horrified at being caught, couldn't have run out of the stairwell fast enough. But the man simply winked at her and said, still got it. After recovering from her bout of laughter, her first thought had been, I can't wait to tell Drew about this. Several times throughout the week, she'd had the same thought. Then she would remember. She'd kicked him out of her life. No matter how many times she told herself the distance was necessary, that her feelings were growing too strong to remain his friend, she still felt bereft. Jamie turned back into Doug's story. And that's why I still believe in Santa. What? He laughed. I was just trying to grab your attention. You're a thousand miles away right now. I'm sorry. Jamie dragged a hand over her eyes. I'm literally the worst date you've ever had, right? Wrong. My grandmother accidentally set me up with my second cousin once. She laughed. For the first time that night, it didn't feel forced. Relaxing back into her seat, she decided to make another effort to enjoy herself. 
but her posture shot rigid once more. When she heard a painfully familiar voice at the front of the restaurant, a very determined-looking Drew marched into her line of vision, Shannon in tow. He looked so weary and ragged that her heart constricted inside her chest. Their gazes connected immediately and held as he wound his way through the tables toward her and Doug. Sensing her alarm, Doug turned to watch Drew approach with an air of confusion. Jamie, we need to talk, Drew said in a raw voice as he reached the table. She could hear her heart beating double time in her chest, wanting nothing more than to jump up from the table and hurl herself at him. She nonetheless shook her head. I can't talk right now. I'm here with Doug and I'm not going to be rude. Drew's jaw flexed. He pulled an object out of his back pocket and dropped it onto the table. Jamie watched in horror as the purple mask came to a rest between her plate and wine glass. The blood froze in her veins. This is it, she thought. He knows about your deception. He'll resent you forever now. If you don't mind discussing Halloween in front of Doug, I'll be more than happy to accommodate you, believe me. Jamie watched in surprise as Drew's gaze slid toward Doug and darkened as though jealous? Surely not. Beside her, Doug shifted uncomfortably in his seat. Shannon stood behind Drew, arms crossed, looking happier than Jamie had ever seen her. Wait, what the hell is happening here? Go ahead, Jamie, Doug said. It's no problem. With the mask lying between her and Drew like a ticking time bomb, she knew there was no other choice but to talk here and now. Fine. As they walked toward the restaurant exit, she watched over her shoulder as Shannon replaced her at the table, saying, So Doug, Jamie told me all about you, but she didn't tell me you were so damn adorable. When they stepped into the brisk November weather, Drew pulled off his jacket and slung it around her shoulders. Hiding her surprise, she muttered a thank you, then looked up into the face she loved, ready to accept his harsh judgment. Gaze riveted on her face, Drew started to talk, but cut himself off with a tortured laugh. Christ, Jamie, I didn't think it was possible for you to get any prettier. But after four days without you, it hurts me just to look at you. Her mouth fell open. The blood in her veins unfroze and started pumping. What? Drew took a step closer, bringing them almost flush. Jamie didn't know whether to move away or snuggle against him the way she craved. He made the decision for her when he snagged her hand and pulled her hard into a tight embrace. Her arms automatically wrapped around his waist, a small sound of relief escaping her when their bodies locked together. I have some things to say to you, he spoke against the top of her head. I'm just asking you to listen before you decide whether or not you'll let me back into your life. Can you do that for me? I squeezed shut, Jamie nodded against his chest. Drew took in a breath. Something has been missing for a long time. I couldn't figure out what it was. I've got Shannon. I hope like hell I still have you. I should have been happy. He stroked a hand over her hair. It took me seven years. But I finally know what I'm missing. I had Jamie, my best friend. But all this time, I needed Jamie my everything. Throat clogged with emotion, Jamie started to respond. Wait, let me finish. He tucked a stray hair behind her ear. 
I haven't been fair to you. I labeled you as my friend and refused to see what was right in front of me. Refused to accept that change might be a good thing, the only thing. You gave me every part of yourself, and I failed to give you what you needed in return. Please, don't punish me for being a blind jackass. If I've learned anything these last four days, it's that losing you means losing myself. Please, don't tell me I've lost you. She took his face in her hands, marveling at the way his eyelids drooped at the contact. You'll never lose me. I just needed some time. After the party, it got too hard. He traced her bottom lip with his thumb. Deep down, I knew it was you in that costume Halloween night. I think my mind refused to accept it because his head fell forward on a groan. Oh, sweetheart, the way I treated you. Jamie shook her head quickly. I liked it. She laughed tearfully at his stunned expression. Well, most of it anyway. Most of it. She tucked her head under his chin. You wouldn't let me touch you. Oh, God. He pulled her closer. Please, come home with me right now. And never stop touching me. Reluctantly, Jamie stepped back to cast a glance toward the restaurant door. I can't just leave in the middle of a date. Drew's expression transformed into one she'd never seen in the light. Lust, dark and needy, swept across his features. He backed her toward the wall, pinned her there with hands on either side of her head. I'd tell you to enjoy it because it's your last date with another man, but it wouldn't be genuine. I want you thinking only of me until you get home. His mouth teased her with gentle brushes until her lips parted. Then he took advantage, letting his tongue sweep in and slowly taste her. Their kiss started as a gentle exploration, an apology, but transformed into a desperate, greedy melding of their mouths and bodies. She could taste his sexual frustration, and it turned her on even more. Feeling bold, she sucked his tongue, satisfied when Drew moaned into her mouth and pushed his hips against her, demonstrating to her what that did to him. When they were forced to pull away for breath, Drew spoke near her ear. I'm gonna give you that same kiss later between your legs. By morning, Jamie, I'm gonna know exactly where you like to be touched, kissed, stroked, and we're gonna keep the lights on so I can see your face each time you come for me. His teeth captured her earlobe. We're gonna go hard and constant until I've made up for lost time. Jamie's knees shook, upsetting her balance. Drew slipped an arm around her waist to keep her upright and pressed against him. Moisture gathered between her legs, an insistent ache spreading through her midsection. I promise to skip dessert. Drew groaned as he stepped away. Go, before I change my mind. If you're not home within the hour, Jamie, I'm coming back. She gave one final kiss and left him staring after her on the sidewalk. When Jamie walked into her apartment 45 minutes later, her plan was to drop off her things and head over to Drew's. She'd stayed longer than intended on her date with Doug because Shannon refused to leave, obviously acting as some kind of misguided chaperone. An unnecessary one, too, since Jamie had been unable to think of anything beyond getting home to Drew and begging him to follow through on his promises. She tossed her purse onto the kitchen table and turned to leave, 
drying up short when Drew walked in. He slammed the door closed behind him and fell on her like a starving man. Their mouths met in a furious entwining of tongues. His hands tugged her hair by the roots, angling her head for his assault. Jimmy felt the kitchen table at her back a second before he'd pushed her back onto its surface. I need a taste. I need it now. His voice rumbled against her thigh as he pushed her dress up to her waist. Cool air rushed over her fevered center as he yanked down her panties. Her body tightened in anticipation. His tongue slipped through her in one long, devastating lick. And she cried out, burying her fingers in his hair. Damn, Jamie. All those wasted years that could have been spent between your thighs. Another long lick. Fuck. Do you know how good you taste? More tasting, she whimpered. Less talking. He laughed. But it ended on a growl. Yes, ma'am. Jamie writhed and bucked on the table as Drew's mouth pleasured her until shudders seemed to rack her body endlessly. By the time he finished, her voice sounded hoarse from screaming. She felt frantic with the need to get him inside her. He'd brought her to orgasm twice with his tongue, but an ache existed deep within her that he could only assuage one way. Drew anticipated her move as she sat on the table, his hands tugging the dress over her head and tossing it across the room. First chance I get, I'm burning that dress. That new dress you wore for another man. He yanked off one high heel and held it up. Are these new too? Fighting a smile, she shook her head. No, I wore those on Halloween. They can definitely stay. He dropped them to the floor, then hooked his hands beneath her knees to drag her to the edge of the table. Take off your bra for me, he instructed roughly, licking his top lip as she obeyed. When her breasts bounced free of the black lace, he growled and began kneading them with his hands. The bad things I've done to these breasts in my head, Jamie. Things a friend shouldn't think about. Their gaze is locked. I'm not gonna feel guilty about those thoughts anymore. I'm gonna act on them. You want that, sweetheart? Jamie's skin turned feverish. Her heart rate stuttered. I'll be mad if you don't act on them. He pinched her nipples, and she gave a sharp moan. Losing patience, Jamie slid off the table and pushed him into one of her dining room chairs. Besides, I have a few fantasies of my own, Drew. When she fell to her knees, his hold tightened on the arms of the chair. No, I'm finishing inside you this time I need to. Maybe the first hundred times. Doesn't mean we can't have a little fun first. Her mouth parted to take him deep, lips sliding up and down his length as he groaned loudly above her. His weight felt devastatingly perfect in her mouth, and she closed her eyes to savor him. Strong thighs flexing beneath her palms, Drew's deep voice alternately begging her to stop and keep going above her made Jamie feel frantic with lust. When she swirled her tongue around the head so relentlessly that his hips began twitching on the chair, Jamie reached over and dug into his jeans pocket for a condom. Her eyes met Drew's as she rolled it on, breath catching at the intensity she read there. Come up here so I can make you mine, Jamie. Using his shoulders for support, she straddled his lap. Their mouths met in a deep, soul-searching kiss as he guided himself to her entrance, teasing, before she lifted slightly and sunk down inch by inch. 
A sense of completion rocketed through her system, targeting her heart. She opened her eyes to find Drew watching her in awe, as if he knew exactly what she felt in that moment and shared the feeling with her. He cupped the back of her head and brought her mouth to his for a slow, intense kiss that said more than words ever could. Drew pulled back and spoke urgently against her lips. How can you feel this good, Jamie? How can anyone feel this good? She circled her hips, and he bit his lip on a moan. Faster, sweetheart. Give us what we need. Don't stop until I forget I almost lost you. Heart in her throat, Jamie began rocking forward and back, dragging herself to the tip of his erection, then sinking back down. Drew, eyes heavy with need, gripped her bottom tightly, helping her to find the perfect angle. Their simultaneous groans of pleasure when they found it echoed through the apartment. Her hips worked furiously on Drew's lap as he rose to meet her, seating himself deep with each upward thrust. He repeated her name like a chant as Jamie achieved another mind-blowing climax that pushed him toward his own. He watched her through pleasure-clouded eyes as he went over the edge. I love you, Jamie Bell, forever. I love you too. She smiled and kissed his damp neck as he recovered a while later. I'll never stop. I never could. He grazed her forehead with his lips. From now on, breakfast is gonna be a little different, since you'll already be there when I wake up. His throat worked. God, it feels perfect knowing that. Perfect, Jamie agreed. You know, she gave him a saucy look. I still have that gypsy costume lying around somewhere. No. Drew took her face in his hands. Jamie. Only ever. My Jamie. This has been The Seven-Year Itch by Tessa Bailey. Read for you by Ramona Master. Oh, hey there. We're back. Oh, hi. How's it going? Hi. Hi. All right. Well, it's great. We have nothing to tell you. We told you all <laughs> Follow us on social media. Um, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Join our Facebook group, Read Me Romance Headquarters, for all kinds of um, book news, giveaways, and recommendations. Also, watch this on YouTube. And if you're feeling fancy, hit subscribe. And Mink will be here next week on the podcast. So oh, nice. Get That's excited. Right. Woohoo! Yes. All right. Bye. Oh, Leah, tell oh, me too. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out, <laughs> I threw myself off doing the promo at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> All right. Fuck your day up. Make sure you're bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye, guys. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance.